Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast where we are dedicated to effective thinking for potent exercise. I'm so glad to have you here today. Uh, We are breaking into a subject that is unfamiliar to me in some ways and also one of the things I'm contemplating as extremely important for overall health and wellness, which is Mother Nature, specifically Mother Nature's gym. Before our intro, I have a a few announcements. One, the podcast has grown tremendously, so thank you so much for being a part of that. You can find our six best episodes of 2020 (laughs) on our new and updated website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. And the newsletter is a special view on muscles and optimizing exercise and using science-based thinking and logic to do so. So it's how you dive deep. You know, on the podcast, we're sharing strategy and concepts. The newsletter and the community is where you get the how-to and the deep dives. Our next announcement is that our Instagram for the podcast is up and running. So please visit us on our updated social media platforms, thinkfitbefit underscore podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, now on to my lovely friend and guest for today's episode, Melanie Webb. She's teaching us about Mother Nature's gym and how to expand into retreat fitness as a trainer or as a lover of exercise. So I'm I'm both. I, I'm, I'm a good <laughs> captive audience for Melanie's expertise today. So, you know, the body and mind, um, before I just want to share this uh, reflection that um, I think really sets us up for this wonderful conversation. The body and mind were beautifully designed to adapt to our environment. So that means our indoor environment, our outdoor environment, wherever our two feet are and like whatever our reality is, like reality and environment are pretty, you know, (laughs) interrelated. So what does this have to do with fitness? You know, we often measure and validate our exercise based on the load and the stimulus. And that's something I've talked about multiple times, right? Well, I'm beginning to think and wonder, you know, the advantage, how much can we get from being outside and connected to our biology and mother nature as an environment, as the stimulus that we adapt to. So, you know, I'm wondering if there's an advantage to measuring the quality of our exercise based on that connectedness to our biology. 
Yeah, I'm really having fun with that thought experiment, and I hope you do too. I, you know, I'm wondering, you know, that's if that's too abstract, but you'll see in here that I'm really excited about thinking big about our self-development and that Melanie is too. She is such a star and she has really been an inspiration to me and many others, really, um, because she is a leader in outdoor fitness and leading retreats. That's why, you know, she's the perfect person to teach me, like I said, I'm the captive audience for this, um, to step outside to play and work out in nature. I'm a gym rat, guys. (laughs) You know, um, so I'm just, I'm really excited about this one. Um, because so many of us are and we are missing out on some major benefits um, that exercise has for us by we are missing out by working out inside so much so departures magazine calls melanie webb the person to call for guided travel in utah's national parks melanie webb founded soul fitness adventures in 2007 which is actually how long i've known her and she just added her uh, a, a private wellness retreat label in 2019. It's called Web Well. So she is Melanie Webb with two Bs, W-E-B-B, Well. And she is recognized as a leader in the adventure travel industry, straight up. And she is an innovator in extending wellness retreats into the outdoors. So not just the spa experience, but she really gets people out and doing outdoor self-development and uh, aligned that with fitness. So her work has been featured on Good Morning America, Athleta Chi, Outside Magazine, New Beauty, Idea Fitness Journal, and the LA Times. And plus a bunch of other stuff that's not even listed here. You know, she's an avid explorer and you will find this out once you go meet her on social. Uh, Her athletic pursuits have taken her on adventures all around the globe. She currently lives in Park City where she shares the wonderful beauties of that location um, in her socials, which I'll share in a second. And she loves biking, hiking, stand-up paddle boarding, and... Utah's just spectacular outdoor playgrounds as she is an avid teacher and lover and you know she shares her journey um, in such a beautiful way so I can't wait for you guys to meet her Instagram you will find her at soul fit adventure s-o-l-f-i-t adventure on Amazon um, you can purchase her uh basically her course which is a book and a workbook and I'll link to that in the show notes and you can also get her on Instagram at webwellco w-e-b-b well c-o and soulfitnessadventures.com is where she like you know really has all the offerings and more information about her book which is something um we're about you're about to hear so let me give you her uh, official 
letters and stuff. Um, Melanie received her BS in human biology and development by developmental biology from Brigham Young University. She worked five years as a wildlife biologist and environmental consultant with various government agencies. Melanie quickly realized her passions for fitness and travel trumped being a bureaucrat. So this is so she was an ACE certified personal trainer and she started working at the Sports Club LA in Washington, DC. And that's where I met her because that was like my first job out of um, my second job out of uh, leaving um, my soccer playing career. And I was probably still bartending when I met her. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, and she's uh, trained in trained clients all over the place and literally all over the world. And like I said, she's in Salt Lake City, but she's also lived in California and has developed all kinds of wonderful connections to nature for her clients and for the greater good. So without further ado, please say hello to Melanie and check out Ruvi, R-U-V-I at impactyourfitness.thrivelife.com slash Ruvi. Ruvi is a high performance drink that is just fruit and vegetables and nothing else. It really speaks for itself. No additive sugar, gluten, and all the fiber. Your first order gets you a free shaker bottle. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, Impactyourfitness.thrivelife.com slash Ruvi. And please hang out with me on Instagram and enjoy this episode. Okay, Melanie, thank you so much for being here and also for being just like a beam of light and like constantly reminding me like why I need to spend more time in nature. So um, yeah, so thank you for, you know, like just showing up the way you do. It's just awesome. And uh, I wanted to start this recording with um, talking about you know, your book, your inspiration for it. And then we'll just kind of go into there for like, um, what's important to know for, you know, fitness leadership and how to get like the benefits of, um, not just like being out in nature, but doing, uh, the, like focusing on health, um, out in nature, because like, you and I aren't going to sit here and promote, like we just go out to barbecues and sit outside and get some, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we want to talk, you know, we want to encourage people and encourage myself to get out in to nature more and let it nurture me. Exactly. Jen, I'm so glad to be on your show. Thank (laughs) you for having me. (laughs) It's great to have this conversation and I'm really grateful and excited that you're willing to have the conversation because I think a lot of people view may view this as being maybe a little out of the mainstream for a fitness topic. And, um, and certainly I'm, you know, kind of this disciple out here saying, no, fitness people should embrace this of all the people qualified to lead this charge. I do feel strongly that it is the fitness people. And um, so I'm excited to talk about that through your lens of intelligent fitness conversation Mm -hmm. and how that can fit into an industry that has its uh, seemingly strict parameters. 
um, mm. dictating how we operate and, and fitness people staying within the scope of their practice too. Mm. That's definitely a, a part of that. So um, yeah, I, I'm a, a big proponent of, of what we know nature to be as healing to the human mind, body, spirit, um, all three of which a fitness professional encounters when we're working with clients. Mm. It's, it's not just the client coming in, having a physical experience. Those of us who work with clients, whether on the one-on-one or the group dynamic, we know that we create an emotional bond with those clients and, and we share things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think we, it's our job to know, you know, if they're taking anti-anxiety medication, mm-hmm. if they're depressed, if they're not sleeping, Um, if they're struggling with eating behaviors and we need to outsource that or whatever that is, you know, as they come to trust us, we do come to know their mental and emotional states. So having more tools in our arsenal, um, and no, uh, absolutely not (laughs) just to go sit at the barbecue Mm -hmm. and say, (laughs) all right, let's, we're outside, we're doing our thing, right? No, we can do our thing. We can take our fitness acumen and education and skill set and apply it in an outdoor environment and Mm. just let that environment do the work. Yeah. Um, You said a few really interesting things in there and it is, uh, I think it's important to recognize like when you hit that like scope of practice thing and hit on that point about fitness being all encompassing of, you know, mind, body, spirit, and how we interact with the world, like fitness and how we interact with the world, how we view the world. I think they're all closely related. And, you know, that's just, that might be my gift here is like, I'm supposed to think big like that, but you know, I've just, you know, I've just felt that for a long time. And I feel like your viewpoint and, and potentially like the, what you're teaching is could kind of bridge that gap, you know, like what, um, full embodied health is and like how we can connect that to the exercise and the fitness. It's, it's so that we can experience our life and like, you know, and live it with movement freedom, you know, and, so much of that has been restricted now. Gosh. And, mm. and I know that it's even more important. Um, that hunch I had a while ago as to, you know, in reference to, you know, thinking big about fitness, mm. you know? Um, so what did, okay. So tell us about the book, um, mother nature's gym. And I think, um, yeah. And just, just, I don't know, maybe what, what led you, what were the, the big aha moments that got you to put the the pen to the paper and get this out here? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, yes. The book, the book is called Adventures in Mother Nature's Gym and it's a two part course. So book one is the theoretical book. Two is the business manual for somebody that wants to monetize the concepts and add it to their existing fitness practice. And, um, 
I think, you know, what inspired me to put pen to paper, that's such a great question. And then the, you know, the act and process of writing and publishing a book and, and giving it to the world is Mm -hmm. its own, (laughs) own dynamic and, and been, you know, a big part of my journey of the last couple of years um, is putting my, realizing I had something to say, number one, Mm. uh, realizing that nobody else was doing it. Um, number two, having the chutzpah to show up and say it, like having the confidence in myself to say, I'm going to write a book. And, mm-hmm. you know, I am a writer. I've written a lot, technical documents, I've, all kinds of stuff. But to put your name on a book as an author is a real act of courage. And to put your ideas into the world is a real risk, honestly, because once you do that, your ideas are open to debate and conversation and attack and whatever else, you know? Mm. And mostly it's been very positive. People are so positive when they find out that I wrote a book and that I've had something to say. And um, maybe, you know, I haven't encountered, I've encountered a little criticism, but not conceptually. So that's Mm. good. Um, But what inspired me, I saw something years ago. I want to say it was like 2000. 14, I think the idea fitness journal had an article that just barely, you know, one of the, and that's, that's an industry magazine for those mm-hmm. that aren't familiar with it. Idea is one of the, one of the bigger governing bodies and shares information and things for fitness pros. And they had a little blurb in there about outdoors and health. And it was just really simple and tiny. And I reached out to the editor and I said, Hey, I've been working in this space and would you be interested in letting me write an article? Hmm. And she accepted and I had like a four page article published in the idea fitness journal, which was so exciting and and just felt so, um, I don't know, just such a great open door and opportunity, um, to, to share my work there. And, and then I heard from a couple of trainers around the country, like, I want to say like four or five people reached out to me and they said, Hey, I've been, I'm starting to do this kind of work. Can you help me? Can you coach me into like, how do I, how do I actually do this with my clients? Mm. How, like one was from Seattle and she does an outdoor boot camp um, indoors when she has to be indoors, but she wanted to take her clients trekking to Nepal because she had adopted a little girl from Nepal. And Mm. so anyway, I coached her and um, helped her create her first trip and get that off. And, and that was like, you know, you, on one of your last shows, you talked about validation of our mm. ideas and, um, I needed that. I, I, I would say like, we all need to know that our ideas have value to others mm-hmm. in the world. And once I saw that and was able to help, it was such a great experience. And yeah. I felt like I saw the ripple effect. Um, and I'll just share that same trainer. She did organize her trip and she took 10 people to Nepal, but right before that trip, was when this the giant earthquakes that rocked Nepal mm. happened and there was huge devastation and destruction. And she organized a GoFundMe, raised $10,000, and they went and they added a day of volunteerism and they helped build an orphanage. Oh, my God. That's, and, that, that's incredible. Right? That's, yeah. They, I cried. I cried. I just and, got chills. Yeah. <laughs> that's what led me to say... I have to get this out there. Mm -hmm. I have to get this out there because 
I, I can share knowledge, but someone else will make it their own and they will go be the stone that drops in the pond that has a ripple effect that affects other people in ways I can't even imagine. So I became mm-hmm. extremely committed, uh, uh, even obsessed, if you will, with writing this book. And and it was a process and, and there were some ups and downs and mistakes, you know, in my publishing experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I finally finally got it out there. I went the self-publishing route on Amazon after after actually um, receiving a couple of rejection notices from two of my favorite fitness publishers mm-hmm. um, for interesting reasons. And this really opened my eyes to the marketing world. Um, one of them said it was the best proposal he'd ever read, mm-hmm. loved the concept, but he would not be able to market it because it was kind of a hybrid that spanned, you know, outdoors and traditional indoor fitness and their publishing house dictates what kind of fonts get used for each of those two spectrums. And they wouldn't know what font to use on my book. And I was like, well, I'll tell you what font I want you to use on my book. (laughs) (laughs) But it actually, you know, come to find out it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, um, and I just felt strongly that I needed to get this out there and that, and I just moved forward. So that's amazing. Um, you know, once you have that feeling that, that, that aha moment, like I have to get this out here, I, that's like a declaration, you know, cause you feel like I, I, well, what I see is that once that happens, but the fact that if somebody doesn't follow through on that, they're mm. doing, they're doing a disservice to themselves and like the greater good. Cause it really is, um, a gift to be able to teach people how they can gain more life. You know, it's, it's amazing. And the, the story you just told is, um, I mean that, that could be on like, a little short movie on that, like that Banff mountain film festival. <laughs> like it is favorites. that good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a little oh. ode to Ami, our mutual wonderful <laughs> friend. Um, Banff film festival. <laughs> you know, cause like that, that it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And that's how, you know, these um, serendipitous and wonderful uh, stories happen. You know, this is how we connect and you're just bringing it all all that together. And yeah, it's a hybrid and congrats for making a hybrid because inside the gym, um, we're potentially not getting the same benefits as being outside. But before we dig into that one, cause I know that that is like such an exciting topic. Um, can we just get this out here? What is the thesis of the book? Like what, or the, as the, the series, the, um, the course and what will people be able to do with it once they um, embrace it, they purchase it, they read it and embrace it? Mm, I love that. Well, if I, were, if I were to sum up the thesis in one line, it's simply that fitness is more than just a gym workout. It's a way of life. Mm. And, and what I wanted to do is add a set of skills to a fitness professional's existing toolbox. Nothing more, nothing less. I don't mm-hmm. want to take away from that toolbox. I, I'm just saying, here's another tool you can add to that kit as you lead your clients and communities mm-hmm. into living 
healthier, holistic, connected lives. Mm. And so the there's I'd say there's three three main parts that comprise that the what I would call the meth- my method, and it's mm-hmm. mind body nature. So, you know, you take your skill set, whatever it is, uh, and specialty as a trainer, and you move it outside in these environments, and you add a full body movement experience to that. And for me, my favorites and my specialties are stand-up paddling, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> hiking, and road biking. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to do something else, I go find the expert in that field to lead it, and I mm-hmm. just accompany them. And then, and then adding mindful experiences to that, and whether that's a breathing meditation or a guided visualization or a sound immersion, um, whatever that is, and um, there's your mindfulness component and, and other methods that I've used are strictly, you know, scientific observation, just sitting in a forest and using your five senses to observe the world around you. And so what I ultimately am trying to do is prepare the mind by, by a physical activity, you know, that can quiet the waves of the brain and bring you into a present, again, full bodied experience um, so that you can work with the mind in a focused present mindfulness sort of way. And then, and then nature is like, you know, all you have to do is put yourself out there and it does the work, but it's a critical Mm. ingredient. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, I, yeah, that's, so ideally we're thinking about a fitness professional reading this and then, um, being able to, um, not just like, teach people potential benefits of being outside, but really like, um, compass them through it, like take them outside, do the steps and yeah. Okay. Yes. So there's a chapter in the book on guiding, just Uh plain being a guide. And I make the case that we all, we are already guides. We are Mm -hmm. guides in our indoor environment escorting people through an experience that connects them back to their body Mm. uh, that heals them, that prepares them, that trains them, you know, for performance or recovery or whatever that is. We just take that leadership quality skill set. add what I really wanted to do is say, okay, now you're entering an environment that has things you can't control. Like Mm. if you think about it, the gym does have, its risks. I'm mm-hmm. sure we've all had our gym injuries and training mm-hmm. injuries in that environment. You go out, the minute you step outside, you just lost a lot of control. So you've got to understand how to assess risk and mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a great level of stepping into and accepting the responsibilities that come along with it the minute you step out into that space. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the book can really add value and some missing parts. Um, but again, so I think the book will appeal to a couple of, um, you know, a range of trainers, the ones who are curious about the outdoors and are seeing the news coming out about why it's good and how it could benefit their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you go up from that and find like I mentioned, you know, the spin instructor that actually loves to ride a bike outside and maybe mm-hmm. a triathlon coach even. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go up to that level, someone who has the skill set and competence in that arena already. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like, and where this all came out from, I should share, like, you know, was I started doing this work when I was a personal trainer in Washington, DC yep. and where I did that work full time there for six years. But that part of me, that nature girl that grew up in Utah, I was really um, aware that I had lost a big part of my lifestyle by moving to that urban environment. Mm-hmm. And I felt it often. And and it was my own clients there that would see me go off and do these little adventures on my own who started asking me if they could come with me. Oh, my God. That's how this happened. Yeah. This was very organic. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. you remember? Yeah. I'd organized trips and um and it was and it was just really fun it gave me the chance to share my lifestyle with people and and really i started seeing the i started seeing what happened to them when they were outside and it was drastically radically different than what i could accomplish with them indoors mm. that's a big that that's that's a big pin i'd like to stick in there cuz we you mentioned um you mentioned mindfulness a couple times and I, and we've kind of talked about this, you know, idea that you can get more from your body in the outdoor environment. And I, the thing that connects us to is mindfulness. Just mm-hmm. being outside in nature brings, invites that environment, is that environment that the brain, um, can operate in like a more mindful state. Um, it's like a, a, you know, a a trigger for that to happen. And, um, yeah, so let's get into that. Like the mindfulness aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. did I say anything that I should be corrected on in that last statement? I, cause I was kind of like rambling and grabbing (laughs) at the same time. Um, not it happens a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I, you know what I really like about your podcast, Jen, <laughs> and not to veer us off topic, but I, it, it's a conversation and you allow it to flow. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, did you have an aha moment that led you to starting your podcast? Yeah, it was like, listen, I, I, I loved um, it, it consuming audio Um. And that, that was a real start for me. Um, and then I just kept seeing the same problems with people in my, um, you know, studio clinic environment. And I say clinic cause I, I see people one-on-one and we're trying to resolve these injury patterns. And I, I just kept getting really bummed out by seeing people, um, miss out on like an exalted fitness and exercise that, that could really empower their life. And I, I didn't have a way to show them except just to get it out here, um, published in content. And then once I started down that road, I said, okay, I'm going to write a course on how to do this, how to be really mindful about your movement and how to prime your body even if you have old injuries, so you can get stronger every time you work out. And that's, that was it like that. And it's ever since then, it's just been this, uh, folding and unfolding of concepts and learning. And, um, I, I just love it. It just, I think it just, I just quickly realized it was kind of suited to my personality and I was just going to go with it. So yeah. (laughs) I've loved watching it. 
And yeah, there's, you know, there's different aspects to us as a trainer. It can't mm. all be, mm. at least for me, just that one-on-one was not the full picture. Yeah. Either. Yeah. I'm, I was done. I, that's a big part of it for me. I was kind of done with the one-on-one, um, mm-hmm. in a training style. Like I love giving people the, the, the quote unquote medicine of MAT, even though it's, you know, it's more placebo effect than medicine. Right. Um, mm. giving this, giving that to people and making a living from it is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one-on-one like training people, I was never that into, you know, I really lit up when I would go on the soccer field and work with uh, small groups of athletes or a team. And, you know, I, I just knew that was true. So I was like, no, I have to, you know, be more, have a bigger reach. You know, that's what I knew that would, you know, kind of complete me in a way professionally um, because the stagnation is not something I'm willing to uh, withstand. <laughs> exactly. There's a, there can be a stagnation to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, okay. So let's uh, thank you for asking that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean to take you off topic, but no, I did. I mean, some people, yeah. I mean, some people are just jumping into the podcast and are new people and, you know, um, yeah, let us know get to my, know the host yeah. a little bit. <laughs> um, so, okay. The, um, you mentioned, um, this mindfulness aspect. We've also, um, in our pre-recording setup, we talked about the, the science of like getting out of the city. Um, Ami forced me to read that book, Blue Mind. Um, and <laughs> she doesn't make suggestions very often. So when she no? does, like, I take them very seriously. <laughs> And this, she she was so adamant about this one. I remember that. Yeah, we're Um, big fans, both of us. (laughs) Um, So the and then you brought in um, green and blue mind. Um, Is that are they congruent or can yeah? They're okay. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. Let's explore mindfulness and nature. Yeah. And there's, there's some, some different directions we can take this for sure. And one is the scientific part and, and I'll, um, and then, and then we'll go blue mind, green mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. let's start with the evolution of the human being. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can just start there (laughs) and don't worry, I'm not going to go back into (laughs) years and, and all that, but strictly. Well, you have roots in this too, like educational. I do. I do. And, you know, it took me a while to connect the dots because (laughs) it's been a while since I graduated from college. But yeah, I I took evolution and genetics classes. I have a really strict uh, life science uh, bachelor's degree. It was human biology and developmental physiology. So I got to really explore the depths of the scientific study of those things, right? Evolution and genetics. And then right along with that, I was, you know, almost majored in athletic training. Um, I just pivoted when I saw the writing on the wall career-wise of that path. And I got oh, really man. discouraged. <laughs> it is discouraging. Yeah, it was discouraging, <laughs> even though it really was, had my heart, you yeah. know. But but anyway, I so I have a, you know, a pretty broad and broad and deep um understanding of human physiology, I would say. And to me, 
this just all makes perfect sense. If you look at the way life has changed and, and there's a saying out there that the biggest migration in human history has started occurring in the last 20 years and it's the migration indoors. Ugh. Oh my God. That's such a quick one too. It's on the timeline. Yeah. Rapidly changed. Mm-hmm. And yet our biology hasn't rapidly changed. Retweet. Our- Right. Oh, that was a good tweet. Right. <laughs> Isn't that a great, I mean, I didn't coin that, that, that term was coined by a woman named uh, Florence Williams, who's a prolific writer in this field and doing some great research. And, and I think she's actually the one who used green mind first and nature cure. It was an article published in outside magazine. Mm. Um, and, and I found her back when I wrote that article in 2014 reached out, asked if I could cite her work and, and we've collaborated and crossed paths a number oh, of times since then. I love stories like that. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. And she's, she's near DC. She's, she's just outside of the city limits there. Cool. So um, anyway, biologically speaking, our brain evolved with nature and in nature. How many generations, if we think of just our own family roots, had deeper connections to an outdoor style of life, mm-hmm. even if we look at it limited to growing your own food and knowing exactly where your food came from. Mm-hmm. And two generations later, now, you know, three and the fourth being born, how far removed are we from that? Mm-hmm. And the, so what's really cool is that the human brain evolved with nature as a stimulus. And we had to learn how to interact with it, how to survive it, how Mm. to flee from danger, how to fight it if we had to, or how to freeze if that was necessary. And if you think about those three responses, those are sympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. responses, right? And we can associate also that sympathetic nervous system with a triggered state or a stressed out state. And we are spending an awful lot of our days living in that energy. Whereas if we can get ourselves into the parasympathetic state, which we know also know as the relaxed state of mind, it does have an incredible influence on the physiology and the function of our body. So mm-hmm. to start to apply that practically, here's what that looks like. So we'll go back to Blue Mind, written by Wallace J. Nichols, uh, who breaks down and shares the science of why being on, in, near, or under the water makes us happier and healthier. So what he's found is that just by being on, in, near, or under the water, our brain starts to release feel-good chemicals or hormones. Mm -hmm. And we know those, and you might, some of your listeners might recognize these, serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. Mm -hmm. Um, oxytocin, also known as the letdown hormone, right? But but those chemicals can move our brain into the parasympathetic nervous system and a relaxed state of mind. Mm-hmm. Hence, mindfulness. Yeah. That's what we're trying to get to by being mindful, whether we're indoors or outdoors. The goal is to come back to the present moment where we don't need to be triggered, where our brain can get a little rest. Um, as that of as this concept applies to the green mind, also known uh, as forest bathing, and this is another um, you know it, 
it's interesting because it's really not woo-woo. Like when you take the science and apply it, th- there's nothing mystical or woo-woo about this. You can drill right down to the chemicals our brain is producing. Um, and yet they're new to us because we are so far removed from it. My great grandparents didn't need these terms because mm-hmm. they lived this and they knew this. Um, but anyway, Japan is leading, leading the charge in forest bathing. They literally have invested billions of dollars in, in building walking paths through their forests. Oh. And then they have doctors there that you can meet with and hook yourself up to electrodes that measure your brain activity mm-hmm. and your blood pressure. And they will show you the results. And what's been generally found, again, this was reported by uh, by Florence Williams um, in her book, uh, The Nature Fix, is that systolic blood pressure drops on average six points mm. when you're walking outdoors compared to when you're walking in an urban environment when it actually increases by six points. By just walking in the city? Just walking in the city. Oh, okay. Because At the same pace, they have the they have the walks, so they're like um like a almost like a promenade slash like path. Yes, that go through the forest. So they're looking at people in that environment, which might be near the city, but it's not an urban. Yes, kind of cool. That's so very cool, cool, isn't it? And yeah. um and the second thing they found was that the prefrontal cortex of the brain. Mm-hmm that monkey mind area, right. Um, gets a, what they call a restorative rest. They've literally recorded that the brain waves in that prefrontal cortex slow down. Mm-hmm. And for those who aren't super familiar with neuroscience or, um, you know, it's like this amazing emerging world of discovery right now, but mm-hmm. getting a restful break for that prefrontal cortex is not a bad thing. It's not the same thing as, losing brain function yeah it it's just, the it's the area that like gets affected when you're you're you know um drinking alcohol like in mm. a bad way so it like mixes that so it's like the higher decision making over analytical part of the brain right yeah yes great yeah. description great and and so you know for it to get a restorative break mm. is is a good thing Mm. This is not a bad thing. <laughs> and so those are two of the, uh, those are just, you know, a couple highlights coming out of blue mind, green mind. In other words, a water environment or a green environment. And yeah. so when you think about that, my goal is to say for everybody, it's not, you know, I'm not trying to say get on a plane and take a big trip and go to one of these hot wellness or fitness retreat destinations to host your clients. And, and I'll back up, you know, I'll caveat that by saying I have traveled an awful lot with my clients. And that was my model initially when I started, cause I needed to get out of DC. Mm. <laughs> um, but I've also started wanting to be more grounded and rooted in my own community mm-hmm. and travel more for myself (laughs) and the joy of a vacation than work. And so that's changed for me over time. And I, what I'm excited about now with my book coming out and the current landscape that we're dealing with is that, you know, we're not, a lot of us are not going to be traveling much Mm -hmm. in the near future. 
it makes it even more important that we know how to connect in our own local environment and what resources are available. And really that's what I wanted to say in the book is like, my book doesn't say anything about getting on a plane or traveling. It's Mm -hmm. 100% what is near you. Is there an area that, you know, maybe it's just the botanical gardens up in Northeast DC that you and your clients have never been to. How can you have a a weekend, a, a three hour experience there on a Saturday? Yeah, um, that's kind of the formula is looking close, looking at home. Well, this is very relevant. <laughs> um, Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just had a message right before we logged on saying, um, yeah, I don't know, like how much longer my gym's going to be open. Like they're starting to shut down again in Ugh. other states. And yeah, I, I, I so this is this is a great um, this is so relevant. So I am very much a gym rat, like in my foundation, like I really Mm -hmm. found myself through weight training, you Mm. know? (laughs) Yeah. I love weight training too. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I've been, um, guilty of overemphasizing the importance of in like training in the gym and not emphasizing training outside of the gym. So like my bias for a long time was you have to do strength training on these machines because these machines can help you bias the tissue and be so precise and so exact. Mm. And that's what you need. You need to be precise and exact. Yeah. And like just guilty. Um, And I thought that that was a good way to help people get over um, these like cycles of chronic injury and reoccurring injury. And I had not even thought about, you know, the, the brain chemistry, the emotional chemistry that contributes to these tissue weaknesses, these tissue injuries. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then now, um, I was, I was moving away from that. So that, that, that first opinion that I just kind of, um, put out there, I'd say that was, that's like six, seven years old. Right. Mm. Um, and then going up until now, I literally, um, just, you know, said, I don't want to go back to the gym. Mm, Um, even if this virus doesn't, even if, so even without the worry of catching the virus in the gym. I'm so uncomfortable there now because of, um, how this is going to sound silly, how clean it is. And that I feel more comfortable in my own studio or at my apartment because it's like all my equipment and I don't have to like bleach it every time I use it. Yeah. So yeah, roundabout way of saying I, I'm I'm getting sensitive to these chemicals. Mm. And oh wow. And so like, does that counteract what I'm doing in the gym? Potentially. Sure. May, yeah. Yeah. If you think about the energy of going exactly. into a gym now, yep. I you know, yeah, those of us who are trainers are scared to go back in there. Yep. We've always known that the gym was a <laughs> a germ area, right? And yeah. I used to really worry, like, whoa, where have my clients been and what are they bringing in this time? Yeah. 
And I'm kind of joking that really gyms have never been cleaner than they are right now. Mm-hmm. But there's a real, uh, what do you call the emotional load, right? Yeah. Of, of the work of preparing that environment. Yes. And, and, you know, here at one of the places I do some group training here in Park City, which by the way, just barely opened and we're probably going to have to, you know, if, if these cases keep spiking, we'll get shut down again as well. But with both instructor and client wearing a mask, um, it's not, Mm. it's not the most comfortable teaching environment anymore. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, what I've always hoped is that writing my book and sharing these skill sets can offer a new revenue st- revenue stream to mm-hmm. a fitness professional. And I think it's even yeah. more relevant now. Yeah. We have to innovate. We have to adapt. This is not going away anytime soon. And yeah. our clients need us. And I'm not convinced, though, though I'm glad to see the adaptation of technology and the opportunity for it, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunity to do on demand and, and the opportunity to Zoom and FaceTime. And, and here you and I are embracing technology as a way to explore and share and evolve and, and continue our practice. But I am not convinced that it's the long term happiest solution for fitness professionals or their clients. And again, Mm -hmm. so, you know, there are ways to, and the book, you know, the book came out uh, um, before COVID. So there's no Mm -hmm. such thing in the book as six foot proper distancing outdoors. And, and, you know, with all the, all of that is so new right now, anyway, it Mm -hmm. could definitely change and we have to start, stay on top of it. But where I'm really lucky again in Park City, you know, people live here because we want to be outdoors. And I I was able to take a couple of clients um, and start working out outside. And, and uh, what becomes important is the verbal cueing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You gotta be, you've got to be on because you, and, and same thing with a great trainer, right? You're not always doing the workout with your clients. That's a group environment. Mm -hmm. A one-on-one situation, you might not ever touch a weight with them. But anyway, all that to say, right now, I think it is a super viable way to maintain your practice, to help your clients harness an even healthier mindset and lifestyle. And keeping six feet distance between you outside is 100% safe Mm -hmm. so far, unless one of you sneezes down upwind, you know, (laughs) you got to be careful of things like that. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that that is my take on that. Unless you like had a whistle. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Coach you're style. Building, yeah, like you're <laughs> coaching your clients. Um, so at the soccer games that just came back, they have electric whistles. <laughs> electric um, whistles. Yeah, that's so. That's new. Um, what is? What does that sound like? A whistle. <laughs> oh, but, but no, it doesn't blow air. Yeah, but it doesn't you know take your spit any oh. and, have, and have like a, a spray distance of. Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> is it a push button or are they, are they still wearing it in their mouths? Oh no. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just a button. It just, it didn't sound any different, but anyways, huh. um, I think one of the beautiful things I've learned over the pandemic and, um, health is that the things that are foundational to health, um, are sustainable and, to 
being healthy, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what the environment is. And that when we are teaching our clients how to be resilient, I think I, I touched on this in that my, my solo rant. Um, <laughs> and like, if, if I'm teaching my client to be resilient versus just showing them um, like an exercise and just getting them to survive like one exercise, one mm -hmm. workout versus giving them the tools to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. um, those things are propping up as good business models. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. a beautiful thing. And this, and there's a big difference yeah. between mm -hmm. those two. Sorry to interrupt. Keep oh going. no. I mean, I was just going to say like, you know, your message and the books like belong in that compartment, like belong in that department of business models that are going to increase our clients' resiliency, their durability, and your own like durability and business resilience. Like that, mm. it's, I mean, seeing that there's more like a win-win happening right now in the way that we um, communicate and that we're moving people away from codependence Mm, yes. Um, it's just such a beautiful thing. And I hope it continues to be um, embraced. I know it will be embraced by me because it, it was before. It's definitely going, it's just so obvious how important it is now. Um, so with that in mind, like, can we circle back to this, um, the benefits of exercise in, in an urban environment or inside environment versus outdoor? Like, yes. Yeah. Cause I'm um, having the why is, um, and like picking apart these whys and like the, the anthropology like aspect that, and the evolutionary biology aspect that you brought up, that's mm. the, that's the stuff that gets me fired. Up. <laughs> and so that's what that, so obviously that's what my audience needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause if it excites you, that's what yeah. you're here to share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it excites me too. And the trick with writing my book was keeping it practical enough, right? Like sharing, sharing the science, but what I wanted to do since I wasn't the one collecting the data Mm -hmm. was say, here's who you're going to want to go read if you want to take a deeper dive into that concept. So uh, the book really leans heavily on the practical side um, and exploring that, you know, yeah, anthropologically, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, but what like the, like the stuff, like the green mind and the blue minds, like how, how much of that did you incorporate and like how important mm. is that for your clients to know? Oh, great, great questions. Uh, those, so green mind and blue mind are under the umbrella of what I call mother nature's gym. Mm. And that's why the title of my book, um, you know, mother nature being a pretty universal term people know and, and associate with nature and the outdoors. It has other other names from other cultures like Pachamama is mm. a Peruvian a South American term for mother earth. Um, 
And, you know, part of, part of me, the part of me that's traveled a lot internationally, I've sought out experiences with the shamans and the teachers wherever I go um, and, and the different cultures. And, and I guided um, and lived for a long time on the Utah-Arizona border. It's where I started my career as a wildlife biologist and uh, was invited into a sweat lodge with the Navajo family. And for those that don't know, a sweat lodge is a, it's actually a sacred space for Native Americans. Um, but for Navajos who live on the reservation and don't have running water, it's also how they get their weekly bath mm. through a sweat process, which cultures have used around the world forever. You know, um, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even like, I've definitely asked that question. Like, how did people do that? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's amazing. And Jennifer, if you ever, actually, I just got invited to one out here. It's not on, not on a reservation, but it's a man who has permission from the Lakota tribe to share Lakota tradition. Um, he invited me to one. Anyway, there's a cultural aspect, right? What, what I'm trying to share is that there are different cultures that have retained these human nature interactive processes mm -hmm. that we, uh, we whiteies <laughs> who've mm -hmm. closed ourselves up in an urban environment and people of color, right? Like mm -hmm. if you've, if you, if you've moved into the urban, if you've migrated to the urban environment, you've probably lost these things that different cultures used to use. And I don't, I'm not saying go build a sweat and everybody do this thing. I'm just sharing that as an example of a people who are still connected and mm -hmm. one way that they apply that. Um, and, and I think that's one of the experiences that a trainer could lead their people into are these cultural, you know, again, going back to the relevance of now, um, how do we experience things that humans have done to be well mm -hmm. and to heal the body and nurture the body that we can't do when we are, you know, working strictly with the machinery and the steel of an indoor environment. Yeah. I mean, the more that I've learned about learning how the brain maps itself, uh, the neuroplasticity of the brain, the human nature of picking up things, remembering things, um, being dexterous, being mobile, working against gravity all day long. All of that stuff is rooted in our environment. Like, mm. and not just like in this, um, not just in the abstract conversation about your reality and how you perceive reality. And that has everything to do with your environment and the things that you, um, are immersed in all day long. It ha like, I'm talking about like the, the, the way that the brain is structured is been stimulated by nature. Yes. And like that, I think that's what you were, what you mentioned before with like, when you talked about, um, it's not woo woo, you know, it's not, uh, yeah. it's not a soft science. Like it's, it's not like, um, oh, my friend got a benefit from being out in the sun and doing paddleboard for four days and not working. 
no, like this is very measurable changes that happen in the brain because we um, engage in nature. So by giving it the name Mother Nature's Gym, you're saying that's the stimulus, like that's the change agent. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. You nailed it. I just, yeah, I just want to keep, I'm just doing this to remind myself, guys, (laughs) like I am a, um, we all have where we're willing to get uncomfortable, right? We have like, I'm willing to put myself out there and talk into a microphone. And, um, that's a, a, a comfortable, uh, exercise for me. Right. And I keep expanding in this way and that's awesome. But me myself, like I do not do this for, um, nature. I don't, put myself out there as far as like going on hikes or going out of my way to make sure that this is a part of my life. So again, Mm. guys, I'm just, (laughs) this podcast is all about like, you know, we're all getting better together. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Always improving and spiraling ever upwards. Right. And, (laughs) and leveling up and, and I, and Jen, I just, I love where you just took the conversation and you know, in your defense, I want to say, (laughs) I want to say this. And it goes back to, again, your podcast where you explored the fitness industry. And I don't want to derail us from mother nature at all, but when you get a degree in exercise science and you then go get a certification in whatever specialty, whether it's a certified personal trainer, a group exercise specialist, a spin instructor, a muscle activation technique, whatever it is, if you think about it, we become more and more specialized at, at applying our knowledge in an indoor environment. Mm-hmm. It's a factor of what's been available to us and what's been missing. Right. And what's, what I'm really fired up and excited about is that the current academic environment, and there's some great examples here in the state of Utah, where I live, Weber state university, university of Utah, uh, Washington state university is another one. People, students today majoring in exercise science can have undergrads in outdoor recreation or excuse me, minors in, in outdoor recreation and vice versa. So the outdoor recreation uh, program chair at Weber State University, um, again, we've collaborated a lot. I've been able to be a guest presenter at the classroom, at the classroom level. So these are outdoor recreation majors, mm-hmm. minoring in exercise science. They are walking out with that diploma, ready to apply this knowledge and these skills the minute they get out of college and that just wasn't available to you and I. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because the knowledge has become available. And as I, you know, I started, I led my first trip back in 2007. Um, And I, and there was no science to validate me. Um, In some ways I've really been waiting for this moment of, of a broader awakening to come. But what I didn't realize is that the scientists and the professors at these universities have been, they've been working on their own theses, right? They've been out there applying the scientific method and disproving themselves and gathering information for the last over 10 years. And now the, in the, again, in the last couple of years, it's started to come out. And so it's also a matter of 
um, like you, like you always bring attention to on your show, as you gain more knowledge, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. How do you apply it? And is it relevant to your practice? Is it interesting? Would it interest your clients or would it not? Right. And, and I just think that again, like in, um, what I, what I'm not trying to say, this isn't an either or conversation. It's very much an and conversation. Mm. It's like, Hey, I just want to give you something else to add to your toolbox, mm-hmm. um, to add to the resilience of your business, to weather chaos and unpredictable circumstances and, um, give you another venue to operate in, I guess. Um, mm. and yeah. you know, um, So uh, there's two concepts that you came like uh, in your last point. I just want to bring these out going back to Mm -hmm. some methods in the book um, that are really important to me and that I touch on in the book. Um, Actually, I'm going to say there's three. So one of the things we haven't talked about yet is a real thing called nature deficit disorder. Mm. And there's a, a researcher out there named Richard Louvre, who wrote a book called Last Child in the Woods. And it's a phenomenal book. He explores how a lack of nature has impacted children. Mm. The uh, increase of learning disabilities and ADHD and all these things will come to find out that our cognitive capabilities really develop in the outdoors. We get That's where we learn spatial recognition. Um, the art of free play, which is, you know, we have to have a word now that allows kids to play unstructured. No, you're right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Because they're overscheduled and overcommitted and they're sent to this yeah. practice and that. And, you know, I grew up playing sports. This, you know, this was, is also a consistent theme on the show too. Like, is it? Yeah. Free, free play. Yeah. Free play. Um, because I've been in um, youth, youth sports for so long. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, anytime I have a strength and conditioning coach on, I bring it up. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So free play. And, and if you think about it, like you, yeah, you're involved in youth sports. So this is incredibly relevant mm-hmm. to you and anyone else in the coaching realm and anyone that doesn't coach like myself, for example, well, I certainly have clients who are parents Mm-hmm. who have children and they're worried about this digital distraction that they're seeing, right? They're worried about the screen increase in screen oh, time. Oh yeah. So I mean, even just taking out, if you just took out the screen and yeah. just talking about the child being inside too much, you have enough evidence yes. to win this argument, <laughs> like <laughs> add the screen to it. And we are talking about all kinds of, uh, immune deficiencies to uh, learning deficiencies. I think. I think like there's so much on the table as far as health goes when we take away when nature is not. Um, we're not engaged with it. Like yes, and so uh, much yeah. resilience, yeah. interpersonal relationships, um, intuition, all of these things. So, and and I wanted to contrast it, and you can visualize this. and I don't see your studio being like this, but if you think of a bigger gym, right. And Mm -hmm. we all know the model and the layout, you walk into the gym, you go to the cardio area and there's 10 TV screens up on the wall, blasting you the latest from CNN and MSNBC and Fox and 
and then somebody's got their cell phone there and they're texting and like mm -hmm. it's it's a really chaotic interruptive environment and and as such it makes it very difficult to get that brain into that relaxed state of mind but also and this is where i'm going to go into these two other concepts of my book um mm -hmm. flow flow state how mm -hmm. do you enter a flow state when you're running on a treadmill glued to cnn <laughs> but but if you take that body out of that environment and that stimulus and you put it outside and you teach someone a new skill for, and mm -hmm. I'll go back to stand up paddling. Cause again, it's one of my favorites. Like now we have a water environment where we've removed the digital. You're in the water. All of a sudden the water is the stimulus that's telling the brain to release these feel good chemicals. And then you are, teaching a method that challenges someone in a new way that is aligned with their skill set and where they're ready to go right and that's the formula and that's the sweet spot for a flow state mm -hmm. the stimulus is challenging enough but not beyond their readiness or capabilities that they're all of a sudden in, in a fearful state right and so whatever the outdoor activity you choose the goal is to put help someone get into and reach that flow state because now they get to experience that beautiful state of being of body meets mind meets present living and it's something that we athletes it, that's a zone where we've spent a lot of time right and we know how to get there we know the feeling and we love it and I don't know about you but I miss it in my day-to-day -day life yeah I mean it's um it, I, I think it's a very important topic. Like I, I can see why it's um, a tenant of your, of your method. Um, it is the optimal state for learning. You know, it's yes. the optimal state of being um, there's brainwave. Uh, your brain literally changes in the flow state and it can, it operates at a more efficient um pace or it operates in a much more efficient state when a flow state and is reached. And not only that, like it can be like a muscle, like the more you do it, the, 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 the more you can benefit. Um, and there are muscles, um, chemical responses in the muscle from, um, from the flow state that make it more possible to gain whatever fitness that you're trying to gain, whether that's like fat loss or muscle growth, mm. like, like the flow state is the place where you can get the most out of your, um, the most, let's say, what is it? Like the most alchemizing fitness, you know, the, mm. the, the thing that like, you know, just lights everything up. I mean, it's to me like, yeah, do I miss it? Yes. I mean, it Same. is, we have to chase it to be honest with you. And like, that's a the modern life and the modern um, constraints that we have. They deny us flow state, you know, they, they, so we have to go out and get it like it. <laughs> yeah. It's a pursuit. Yeah. It's a pursuit and a, uh, you know, you have to apply your mind really to go get that. And I'm like you, I miss it too. I miss 
playing mm-hmm. organized sports. I miss practicing and, and the game environment and things like that. And, and I've been able, I feel like I've been able to tap into that again as I apply this method and it's been really fun to share. And, you know, I've had so many clients who never had the opportunity to play a sport or, you know, so many people, if you think about it, who are the first to say, Oh, I'm not an athlete. I'm not an athlete. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, okay, let me show you this fun way to use your body, you know? And, and you can see, Oh my gosh, Jennifer, like when you see the lights turn on, Mm -hmm. It's just so exciting and rewarding to me. And going back to the resilience of that person managing their own health progression and they're being responsible for their life outside of that one hour that I spend with them, um, I've just given them something that they can go do again without me that I know they're going to love. And, and they can easily tap into another community and make new friendships. And, you know, as I get older, I find I actually need to make new friendships mm. on the regular sometimes. And, um, and anyway, these, these things have given me a way to do that. And I think as we think about feeling isolated and battling uh, loneliness and things like that, these are, these are some really helpful healing activities to engage in again together with that fitness professional that Mm. clients and um players and you know participants already know and trust Mm. it's a really natural segue yeah no that's cool i mean and it's 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 such a gift um to you know for you to provide it and for people to then provide it for a whole community of people like that's just awesome um So I think we got to wrap this up because I, I have to, I could definitely, um, I want to, you know, I want to get back to this. I want to, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, some, a journey that you've been on with healing your body and nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I want to talk about, um, specific trips. I want to know what you learned on those trips. I want to know when mother nature gave you a punch in the face and oh. Ta- <laughs> oh, oh, and, I have some stories for you. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I love it. Um, yeah, and then I also want to thank you for introducing me to Ruby. Uh, the podcast listeners know what Ruby is because I <laughs> I link to them every time um, because uh, the listeners deserve like a high performance drink that is, you know, I always say this, it has all the fiber and. <laughs> right. Um, we need more fiber. We need more fiber. <laughs> and, and they also obviously deserve a free shaker bottle because <laughs> <laughs> you can't drink Ruby without the shaker bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been excited to hear you sharing that. And I'm really glad that that's been a relationship that can work for you as well. And, um, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan obviously. of the products. It's been fun to share it with my colleagues. Cool. Um, thank you for having yeah. me on the show, Jenna. Thank you so much for hanging out this long. I have a special offer for you guys. If you leave a review on iTunes uh, or Facebook, you can screenshot it and email it to schedule at impactyourfitness.net. And we will send you a free guide on hamstring freedom aka mobility 
And what I teach in this guide is why tight hamstrings don't respond to stretching, what weak hamstrings actually need to experience freedom of movement, and tests that can reveal the source of your hamstring issues. There's also a sneak preview to the Movement Pathways course and system and how it can help you. So again, screenshot your review and send it to schedule at impactyourfitness.net. And be sure to share this with your pals and your friends and your family so we can all access high-level fitness and high-level thinking about our fitness. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting this show and the growth. It is a huge honor to help you think fit and be fit. <laughs>